0: Ever read a book and wanted the main character in the video game that you're playing?
1: Ever seen a movie and imagined the villain in your next tabletop campaign? So, so have we! Have we.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Gamer Alchemy podcast will explore how characters from endless fictional settings might be built in different worlds. Want to see Neo in Smash Bros? Because I do.
1: Yeah, we'll imagine it. And hey,. Maybe, maybe Sephiroth in Pathfinder? Huh? Let's let's give that a try. Great, and hey, whatever the combination, we're gonna talk the lore and game design and find the best or the best we can think of fit here on the Gamer Gamer Alchemy, Alchemy Podcast. podcast. Shrouded in much mystery, but still known for wondrous power, Mount Targon has long been a steeple that is the pinnacle of any mountain in Rune Terra. Some worship there, some sojourn there, some find it unexpectedly, and some are only lost enough to brave it. But no one is ever the same after an encounter with it. Welcome to this session of the Gamer Alchemy Podcast. I am your strangely monotoned 1940s film noir narrator, Guy Ravenhood Black.
0: Not really. And I'm Kermit the Frog, your second host. Nope, just kidding. This is Elliot (laughs) Moose Captain Menge. (laughs) Uh, uh, Today's episode will be continuing our look at the League of Legends Targon crossover to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, following last week's episode, we gave a brief introduction to the region of Targon within League of Legends and some of its various characters, which uh, Guy and I took have a very actually invested interest um, in uh, just being interested in it and seeing how they would play elsewhere. Uh, we discussed Leona, Diana um, in their particular roles, how they would be able to fit into D&D. And mm-hmm. today we're going to continue the discussion, delving further into um, the aspect pantheon, and or
1: we're going to go further up the mountain. And
0: f- yes, and we're going we to go. hit the literal stars above it with a uh, discussion on uh, the resident dragon of Targon, Aurelian Soul. Actually, he's probably not a resident of Targon. Now that I think about it, he's just N- no, he's just chained to it. Yeah, a nice tether base point
1: yeah and some of you are gonna wonder we're gonna we're gonna cover some of the aspects we may not spend a ton of time with zoe and Tarek, Tarek, potato potato no one says potato no one says potato oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're we're in a bit of a goofy mood we were uh, talking right before the podcast and the we potatoes? saw really where's the potatoes eh? and we saw really I saw a Game Boy ad that did not age well, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Yes, the original Game Boy, yeah, it, yeah, I did not. It was great though. Anyway, anyways, and some of you are wondering, well, are you gonna talk about a Felios? Ethan, Elliot, and I both agreed you have to understand the champion in league at least a tiny bit to be able to talk about him on here not necessarily true but at the I, same I think, time i think guy and i true.
0: are both willing to admit that we are not 200 iq people and aphelios is a 200 and iq guy
1: i don't know if he's a 200 iq it might be more it might be more <laughs> i know colors and that's about as far as i can get with him i want um, you all
0: to imagine being able to wield four different weapons all at once
1: because i'm batman
0: because i'm batman <laughs> and not just four different hey. weapons but eight different ways that those weapons combine with each other and have different effects based on it okay so essentially, yeah you're so, looking at about 27 different patterns maybe even more
1: yeah if you're not a league player essentially a is a incredibly complex champion that yeah in the game you only have your mouse click and and q w e and r you can use items and whatnot but those are your controls and you have to cycle through and be able to manage twenty-seven different combat. Elliot just ca- quick mathed for us, uh, it, That's 20- the
0: wrong math, I guarantee you—but
1: uh, more than four <laughs> complex interactions between his weapons. Anyway, we're not going to talk too much about fellios He kind of—he's a Lunari person. He wields a lot of guns,
0: and we do not want to attempt bringing yeah. him into D and D.
1: Have fun. No. Have yeah, fun if have you fun. want. Maybe, maybe martial class with guns, but he also has this weird thing with the moon and his sister. So you're gonna touch warlock. We're gonna go to the ass, we're gonna go to the aspects. Um, particularly, we never settled the debate, Elliot. Or it wasn't really a debate, but we never figured out if Pantheon. You, there is a way in which you can play him as a pc but or we feel
0: that you can play him as a pc you could
1: but i made i felt when i first looked at this whole fun project that because he's an aspect he doesn't qualify as someone that can be playable correct it's because kind of the aspect-
0: it's it's the whole power level aspect that that is it's trapping us. It's the same reason why like Aurelian Soul is a monster, but it's also because of his I don't even want to say exponentially. I don't think exponential captures Aurelian Soul, but his he, infinite potential uh, is just too great for a player, especially in he, D&D. Yeah,
1: he's he is literally a god. And the, like
0: and the aspects are are not as strong as Aurelian Soul but they are at that point where if a player had them, you could basically do what you wanted.
1: I think there is an argument to say, like, if you wanted to do, like, they would be just, the full power of an aspect would be just above a level 20 character. Yeah. So if you're into, like, epic level games and you go, like, maybe, I know 4th edition had some ways that you could progress beyond 20th, I think that would be where you could start playing aspect games. But with 5th edition, which is what we're focusing on and are most knowledgeable in.
0: Now, if you're creative enough, um so there are so there's a podcast, a D&D podcast that I uh I went through a while ago. Um it was Escape from Bloodkeep and it was from Dimension 20. And in that mm-hmm. one, they were a bunch of high-level villains mm-hmm. and they were all working together to basically uh not necessarily conquer people but conquer an objective that was challenging for them hmm. you could you could try to craft it and i would i would challenge the storytellers out there not necessarily the gameplay the storytelling would be actually the difficult part for an aspect um yeah you can design any character to be played by a person but the reason we are kind of locking the aspect of pantheon and aurelian soul is just because we don't see the storytelling befitting the amount of power that that player would wield.
1: With them as a player character. Correct. Let's be clear here. Because yes. we had some really fun ideas with them as NPCs or like story story thrusts. Um, and since you're talking about the aspects, as far as I could tell, I went and did a quick peek on the on the researches. There are there may be more aspects than this. We mentioned them in the last episode, but as far as I can tell, these are the only aspects that are out there. We have the Golden Sister. She's like the Sun. These are off of the League of Legends universe site. She is the like the patron god of the Solari. You've got the Judicator, who is was originally the mother of Kale and Morgana. And the sword that Kale, who is a champion in League, wields is her mother's sword. So she is like the the embodiment of just hardcore justice. You have the protector, who is our champion, justice. Tariq. Justice. Um, you have the protector. The protector is... I just said that, is Taric. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Silver Sister. Now, anyone who plays Legends of Runeterra, which I actually am playing more Legends of Runeterra right now than I'm playing League of Legends because I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a six-month-old, so Legends of Runeterra has been more of my game. You actually can play the Golden Sister and the Silver Sister in there. Then you have the Traveler. I don't... Remember, if they have an aspect, I don't think Bard is the traveler. Man, I think it would they're different. Fit, it would, it so would though, right? I think they're different, though, lore-wise. Then you have the trickster, who is perhaps one of the most terrifying entities in League of Legends in the form of Zoe. Um, And she is the only tricks. She is the only aspect that was chosen randomly. <laughs> but that is because... The trickster aspect is literally the embodiment of chaos. If you go, uh, this is one shameless plug for my podcast again, sorry. The other one is stories of Renterra. I recently recorded Zoe. if you guys listen to about the time this came this comes out. Um, you can listen to her. She's terrifying because she is oblivious. And in her oblivion, she brings oblivion. It's terrifying. Anyway, and then the final aspect is the warrior, which is Pantheon. So I think we touched on it last podcast a bit. This might be a fun place for homebrew. We're not going to do it. We may. I don't know. What do you think, Elliot? Homebrewing Warlocks. So there are three Warlocks that already existing Warlock classes that I think you could easily match up with some of these aspects. You've got the Archfey, which is obviously the trickster. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got the Celestial, which I think you could kind of flavor into any of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, it's a it's a it's a light and healing. So definitely, no, it'd be the Protector.
0: Yeah, easily. Guess, yeah. Okay, the yep. light part is what threw me for a moment, and it would just like. Yeah, I guess light works. Dazzling,
1: dazzling, um, and then the gestoric. final one is is um, the hex blade. And I I didn't look at the genie. I don't think they would be. No, they're elemental. the The hex blade I think is the most the vi- the one that you could kind of fit into any of them because you would just say that the the aspect had a weapon that they wielded. Right. So anyway, those would be three that you could easily do right off the bat. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you had uh, mused on that at all. It
0: would be I ha- I hadn't actually um, the more the more you discuss it though, the more I kind of think of that high level adventure where, I guess I'll, I'll just like that one campaign I mentioned where it's like, hey, we're all overpowered. We all like, like we are the apex. So what is a problem that as a story that could be faced? That's still kind of how I would imagine it. Like what what is something that would force all of these aspects to either work together or work together in contention at the very least?
1: Um, There's an easy answer to that. And you play... The Void. God, no.
0: <laughs>
1: no, that's true. That is the Void. That's that's actually at the heart of what was going on. So, yes, technically the answer is the Void. But I was going to say, you could play out... If you wanted to do something like that Dimension 20 thing you mentioned, you could do a campaign where you have... You would pick a number of these um, <clears throat> as your aspects. And then you would all play the Capture of Aurelian soul. Because do, that was what the aspects did. I do now, love that
0: campaign idea.
1: Now, what you could do. All right, so walk with me on this one. So, we're going to go a little bit into the deep lore of Aurelian Soul. So, the reason that the aspects needed to chain Aurelian Soul because they were losing the war against the Void. So, the ancient civilization of Akathia in Shirima was fighting the Void, and the aspects of Mount Targon had to fight back against the Void. And so they chained Aurelian's soul because he was the only entity that could seal the breaks in time and space through which the Voidlings were coming. Just to get
0: a little bit into the lore, or this is really lore theory, I believe that the world runes that Rise struggles with um, collecting are a literal language that Aurelian's soul uses to create stars and worlds. That's my theory.
1: I accept this canon and take it as my own. <laughs> There's nothing in there that doesn't say that. I haven't read a lot about the world runes, um, but I love that.
0: Except that Rise collects them because they're world ending. And it's like, what would this magic be? If not, what, why are they called world runes? It's something it's runes that shape the world. It would make sense for an entity to have a language. And what if that language was literal creation?
1: there you go i, I like it
0: I, I i think that's what it is and i think that if aurelian soul ever gets unchanged unchained
1: unhinged um he would become unhinged when he's unchained
0: or if he ever gets access to a world rune that he will be able to unchain himself somehow
1: Ooh, yeah maybe we'll get there one day anyway mm. so there's a world so walk with me on this where i know we're talking about targon but you could contrive a campaign where you're playing characters who live on the borders of Targon and Shirima during the void invasion. Mm. You play one to ten in that. So you get to play with like playing fighting against Rexai. You get to fight against some of these void champs, void creatures. You get to play as some of the shireman entities, with some of that, with some of the record flavored in, and then from levels ten to levels twenty. Well, I guess I guess it would have to be level fifteen to twenty. Like the goal is, you're you have to chain the god to seal the holes. Mm-hmm. So, because there's a couple tiers of play in, so the tiers of play in D and D fifth edition at least which is like the way they delineate stuff is you've got levels one to four, which is, uh, hey, local heroes. Then you've got heroes of the kingdom or ma- they, they call them heroes of the realm. So it, the entire an entire region depends on the adventure's success or failure. And then levels 11 to 16, you're dealing with like global like multinational continent sized conflicts hmm. and then level 17 to 20, you're dealing with like God, like a God is breaking through and you need to defeat the God. Like these are the things that okay. legends are made of. So this those is different...
0: how legends are made. Yep.
1: yep. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so you could do you could you could easily start a local heroes thing and that would be fun because you could either start on the like Targonian side or on the Shuriman side I like and that and then as you move to the heroes of the realm you kind of hit that middle ground you could go on a oh, here we go here's our segue levels 5 to 10 You're doing an adventure on the foothills of Mount Targon between the Solari and the Lunari Mm -hmm. as the Voidlings are beginning to... So you have a couple story tracks. My Dungeon Master's coming out. All right. I feel him growing. So your original adventure, the Voidlings are like weird Voidling things are coming out. Levels one to four. Strange creatures are appearing, yada, yada, yada. You defeat it and you think you seal it. So then you guide the story into the conflict between the Lunari and the Solari because the Solari are convinced that the Lunari are releasing these dark creatures. So you have to hunt down all these Lunari, you have to do all the that and so you get the Leona Diana thing we talked about last episode. And then from the Leona Diana thing, it concludes with that grand climactic epic battle, but you find out that the Voidlings are not being released by the Lunari. <laughs> What? And so you have to do here we go levels 11 to 16 you have to trek to the top of Mount Targon to get the answers from the gods or from the aspects and then levels 17 to 20 are chaining a aspect or Aurelian getting soul Aurelian or Soul to to seal the void that is cracking under the mountain or something there's a level one to 20 campaign
0: yes i would take a slightly different take where would you do maybe like most of it is actually the same but instead of once they think the voidlings are sealed the lunar the solari are blaming the lunari instead it becomes a power struggle where the solari maybe they just barely were able to do it, and that is what causes a few defects to the Lunari. Going like, obviously, the sun is not strong enough Ooh. to hit what we need, and so those okay. those defectors go in search of power, and they embrace the moon. And that is when the Lunari ostracize them, saying, "How dare you question the sun?" And there, so that now it's it could be side questy or it could just be an on, ongoing thing, but then it becomes maybe just the maybe who knows how far in the past this is set um, compared to modern rune terra history. Um, yeah. But you maybe you could set it in the past where like as this conflict is starting to brew and there's people who are embracing the moon and discovering it, people from the moon are like, fine. If our power isn't anything true, then maybe we should see who can get to Targon. And this is like some of the first ventures up Targon and maybe some first early encounters with the Aspects, leaving a lot of room for interpretation um, to the DMs. That's cool. And it is through this trek that maybe either all of the people who take the trek don't return because either all of them make it or many die and the only people who do make it do get embodied as aspects, the original or the, the original people. So not, not Mm -hmm. Tarek, Diana, Leona, Pantheon, but the first humans to be inhabited by these aspects are the only ones who survive, but they don't return to the village. And so this only seeds the, Thoughts of the Solari being like the Lunari must have done something and run away, and thus history is set Solari versus Lunari, and it's like a a ancient history of Targon back to the origins of it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that actually, as I was talking, that was not what I was thinking originally. But then I was like, wait,
1: (laughs) no, that's awesome because then you actually get to play. So that would be the difference is because like. Mine was great until I got to the Aurelian soul bit because then it's like, well, it's 70 to 20. What's the deal? Yours fits a lot better, I think, because then you get to that 17 to 20 level, and the whole goal is for you to get to a forge the crown, bait the dragon, and get him to put on the crown. Though mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool, like, MacGuffin to try and put in front that's a neat hook
0: and for for players and dms out there for that idea it's not necessarily locking you into a character that is already in league that we're just trying to transform into DD. this actually gives you as much creative license as you want you want to figure out you want to figure out how you can get a druid around targon great do it um and and that, that can be your what was zoe's aspect change or chaos she's
1: twilight
0: twilight so she
1: is she's the aspect of twilight and but her whole her whole shtick is that she is so if you go listen to the the, her story basically what's happening in her story is she was a child that was uh she was chased by the priests in her hometown because she like was curious and mischievous and she was didn't she I just think... stumble
0: like a portal just opened and she just went through and in that moment yeah. she's like Yeah, so
1: basically she gets chased to the edge of a cliff because she like was bouncing a ball during ves Vester- vespers or something whatever. So she wasn't the perfect chi- the perfect religious acolyte and she like turns around and the aspect of twilight just liked her. Everyone else has to climb to the mount at the top of Targon and no, go through that arduous thing. That's the Zoe's, one. Zoe's yeah, Zoe was li- literally but what happened was she fell into a portal and essentially like went on a million-year acid trip. Yep. As she melded with the aspect. So she, she then she becomes the Aspect of Twilight, a entity with almost limitless power with the mind of a curious child and her, and the like the cognitive mental understanding of the world of a child. And I'm not talking like a tenure, like a child. Mm-hmm. So the story, okay, spoilers. So if you don't want this story spoiled, pause this podcast, go listen to the story, come back stories of Rintera. I'm done. I, I won't plug too much more. I promise. Um, <laughs> But Zoe, giving you two seconds to pause, Zoe basically goes to a village in the frail yard and wants to play with the kids because they're kids and they're playing ball. She's like, oh, cool. Hey, hi, friend. What's that? And they, like, freak out because this spirit aspect is, like, floating near them. So they freak out and they run into the building And she like follows him. I am like, maybe they'll want to play with me and talk with this other group of kids. They freak out because a ghost is essentially appearing to them in the form of a spirit aspect and run into a building. And then she's like, huh, weird. And she turns and she sees the priests and soldiers of the town, like freaking out and running at her. And there's a line in there where she's like, and the priest was casting a spell. It was pretty good, but I didn't like it. So it didn't work. And like, This is like a ranking power individual in the religious system. And she's just like, "Eh, I didn't, it sounded great. It worked fine. I just didn't want it to. So she completely negates that. But then they start attacking her and she's like, oh, so I just pulled a comet that was flying by and I threw it at them. But then it was weird because all the children were gone and I couldn't play with them. So I just went to the next big city. Like that was the story and I'm like what?
0: She she wields the infinity stones
1: <laughs> with the mind of a 5-year-old. Like a curious 7-year-old with the power of the infinity stones. That Ugh. Zoe is Ugh. terrifying. Anyway, Ugh. so she's the aspect we got a little off track there, but that's fine. Um I don't she would have to be a character of some kind. Right. My cheeks are also hurting from smiling. <laughs> yeah, you saw that too. Um, I was like, ah. I did. Uh, yep. But um, I think she would have to be... Because some of these Twilight characters need to be like... Like Aurelian Soul. They wield so much power, there isn't a way you can do it as a PC. Right. So she would be a fun side quest. Yes. If you... Like, so-
0: I I think we're definitely settling on that. If you were going to do anything with the actual aspects, whether it's the characters who are aspects, you're looking at a very different style than your classical D and D campaign. Mm -hmm. However, the most classical campaign that we can think of, at least involving Pantheon. Yep. Full circle back. (laughs) And would be, would be one that follows, uh, atreus atreus uh atreus atreus, atreus uh however yeah, you want to say go it with
1: your idea i'll figure out how to pronounce it
0: i anglicize it um but it would be to follow him on his journey to become the pantheon or to be indwelt by it because when he spoiler alert for lore um he basically is is resistant to the Pantheon dwelling in him, and that's what actually. And they tied this into Pantheon being reworked in the Le- in League of Legends as a game too. Mm-hmm. Um, the old Pantheon basically, Atreus basically took over his body again. Um, yeah, if it, it's kind of like a jujutsu kaisen, like it's like, oh yeah, sorry, you can't have my body, even though you live in me. I'm taking it back. Thank you. Um, yep. And. That would be like that would be like the culmination of your campaign. Um, however, personally, as a DM, I don't like knowing the exact ending. I like having an idea for the ending. But when a campaign has to be built around a very specific ending, it's kind of like, so what happens if we lose the final battle? That's not good. I guess that league doesn't happen. <laughs> like, Riot's game is canceled <laughs> because of our campaign. Um, yeah.
1: It it breaks a little bit of the if, the verisimilitude of wanting to play in the Runeterra. The moment that, and that's the thing. Like, what happens if in the two campaigns we proposed earlier that you actually fail to chain Aurelion?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's actually where like my idea, where if it's ancient history, maybe it was their first attempt. And if you fail, okay, they just failed. It's ancient history in Rune Terra. It's not a big deal. But if you succeed, okay, that was that's the time. That's the time they chained him. They got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good and job. He's,
0: and he's been chained ever since for however many millennia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now. So what kind of campaign, so we've talked about this, but yeah, go go ham. What what were the kind of ideas you had for a campaign around Pantheon as the inspiration? Because hmm. you could do the same with Pantheon. So Pantheon's shtick is that he basically kicks the aspect out, keeps his weapons, and now fights the gods. He ki- he he kicks what pecked out? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I see what you did there. So, oh, we get to build Atrox. Oh, so that's true. That, so if yeah. Y-
0: a- Aatrox, who is a Darkin, which is a fallen ascended warrior from shurima um for those of you god's that listened, chosen yeah yeah god chosen war- god warriors essentially they're called god warriors of the sun sun god warriors um mm-hmm. but pantheon is directly tied to Aatrox, and Aatrox would definitely be a very fun monster to build um, oh yeah I don't think he would be, like, your your level 20 challenge monster. I think he'd probably be somewhere between 13 and 17. Yeah. Um, and because he's meant to be a challenge, but he, he himself is not world-ending unless he fulfills his mission. Like, his sword is able to absorb however many souls or whatever it is. Um,
1: I think the point is that until everything's dead, he can't. Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, there,
1: there's another great podcast called um, oh, keep talking. I'll find it. But they they're going through the champions alphabetically and having discussions on the lore. They don't read them, but they discuss the lore. They're good. Uh, so Aatrox Sorry, go ahead. Number
0: one. Um, yep. He's a aron Hey, But he like if you were going to have a, a, a Pantheon campaign or Atreus campaign, Atreus, Atreus,
1: atreus i would say i would say atreus okay
0: atreus that's me um you're going to a culminating moment could actually be maybe atreus fighting the darken and requiring the embodiment of pantheon um in that moment maybe that's what gives Mm him the upper hand and maybe it's i'm doing this but i'm only doing this to live not willingly but if i'm doing this it's a permanent thing maybe who knows like there's a lot of story options there and you can Mm -hmm. look at sword wielding demons um to try to compare atrox to um and with uh any kind of soul stealing blood stealing life stealing kind of items or magic built into that monster um you don't want it to be insurmountable because atrox again is not a world ender in and of himself except under very specific conditions he um, wants
1: to be now it would be interesting if so you can do some fun mechanics with GM like techniques where you have like counters. And if you put off dealing with Atrox long enough,
0: he'll be even harder. maybe
1: he does. Oh, yeah. Like he does. Asc- he does begin that ascension.
0: Hmm. And that would be some interesting background story research to have to look into to see mm-hmm. like what that would possibly look like. Because there are certain, especially within the League universe, there are actually multiple moments of premonition um, that are shown. In fact, like one of the cinematics based around Rise collecting the world runes shows what happens when a world rune is used askew. Um, There's a whole civilization Mm -hmm. basically just in flames that Rise witnessed to. And it's like. And he's like, that could happen again. So while it was both a memory, it was also a premonition. And there's several cinematics mm. that do that. Um, the whole ruined king event was basically one giant premonition of if we don't stop, this is what the world will become. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if we don't stop, Viego, this is what the world will become. So, um, yeah, I would definitely like look at any kind of super high, like not super high level, thirteen to seventeen sword wielding humanoid demon monsters. Um, and then just adapt whether you homebrew a part, part of him or homebrew a weapon that he is utilizing. Um, but that would definitely be a really good culminating moment for a human Atreus campaign, Atreus campaign.
1: Say it how you want to say it, dude.
0: Atreus, Atreus. Uh, Atreus. I don't see, know. What, that pronunciation is actually making me think of, uh, Captain America Civil War, when Iron Man calls for Spider Man to come out, he's like, "Underoos,
1: atreus." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Aww. laughs> uh, oh, No, uh, the the podcast is called Legends Cast, a podcast about League and other things by the Lift, really available cool. on Spotify. Anyway, but they they've done Atrox and they discuss it. I. I like they don't have a great thought about atriox's story I liked it but that's okay you don't have to like everything that everyone else likes the only so
0: yeah the only darken that has some nuance I believe is Kane but that's me oh I guess Varys too okay there's more there's plenty of darken
1: um, I mean I'm I'm all about. What would it be like to be an entity that suddenly is cut off from everything, sight, sense, smell, experience, except for a hunger, Mm -hmm. until someone picks you up as a blade? Yeah. So maybe it's not the story that I like so much as it is the the idea of the existential crisis of being trapped with only your mind. Right. I'm weird. I think... But yeah, um, he might... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. I was gonna say, like, it, it would be interesting to see a battle between well, what would what might be a really fun moment for the for the player if we're doing this Atreus thing, because essentially what it is is it's a war between the. I think it's a war between the aspects of the sun or these barbarians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and the the entity of darken. I don't know if it was a bunch of armies or if it was cuz I'm looking here and it looks like he has a vision cuz he goes up to the mountain with a buddy and he just has a one-on-one fight with, with with Aatrox. Aatrox. Hmm. Yeah. Um
0: still would be an interesting cap.
1: Yeah, it it would be fun, but it would be it would be really cool to have the moment be I really want to talk about maybe we can move here with because it's a great it's a great premise for a campaign. It's just just the act of climbing Targon itself. Yes. Um, and I we talked about this before the podcast. It D and D might might be a good medium for it, but there's a world where you could do it with some of these. Because the whole point of Targon is you can't beat the mountain. Correct. You survive it. Correct. So the idea that you can beat it by might—I mean, even, even um, Atreus when he tried to climb the mountain, it um, it nearly killed him. Right. So some of these games, TTRPGs like Call of—I don't think Call of Cthulhu would be a good fit, but there might be some like Savage Worlds makes you could do that aren't combat focused. Because D and D, as much as I love D and D Fifth Edition, it's very much like we're going to do some things, but let's make sure you can. Roll dice and kill things really Almost in really creative ways.
0: I, I don't know of any um tabletops that are based on simply just survive as long as you can. Like you will lose, survive as long as you can. But I Call of Cthulhu.
1: I does think that. of it
0: I think of it as like I think of those as roguelikes. Sure. Cause it's like, hey, like it's something that you could pick back. Like it's like, okay, we're gonna start again. Here we go, you're doing a new character? Cool, that's your that's your new loadout that we randomized this time.
1: Well, no, what this is, is it's the next board game that we can build for Riot, and then they're gonna hire us and pay us thousands of dollars, and we can retire from our current jobs.
0: Riot, let us know. Uh, our numbers are uh, located somewhere, or emails, uh, business inquiries only, thank you.
1: Yep, yep, <laughs> we, have, we have so many board games ideas for you, promise. Um, but no, that would be a fun board game, some kind of roguelike where you are climbing Mount Targon and you like it would be different villagers where you climb Mount Targon. All right. We need it. We're about to. I, you're giving me a face that makes me very excited Anyways. because I'm feeling the same. But we need to stay on stay on task. Yeah. The last, Maybe we can have a fun one there the, on that. like
0: the last thing I would say is just as uh, we is our focus on an Aurelian soul encounter, whether it's as a monster or just a like series of events where you're doing something while fighting him. Um, okay.
1: Oh, I am I was saying not talking about board games because we oh, would totally get I'd lost down that rabbit hole because we both podcast. love designing board games. Well, we can do another episode of this where we port League of Legends into a board game. Here we go. Anyway. No, but like, what would be the aspects of a campaign figuring out some way to fight a rally in soul, some way to encompass the, the bringing or the access to aspects for a D&D campaign? What are your thoughts on that? Like, what would it be to do a climb Mount Targon campaign? Is it a 1 to 10? Is it a 10 to 20? Is it a 1 to 20? What do you think?
0: Well, when I think about it, it's hard for me to imagine a, a like it's, it's, it's hard for me to actually imagine beyond a one shot personally. Um, just because the mountain, I could see a lot of people going like roll a D 20. Okay. You keep climbing. Roll a D 20 yeah. again. Okay. You keep climbing. Um, but like there are things on the mountain that people deal with, whether it's, um, And again, that's where the survival thing comes in. It's not like there is Mm -hmm. a mental presence, but it is a physical and mental fatigue that you have to fight constantly. And there are simple survival elements to Targon in several of the stories. I believe Terex is the one that I'm actually thinking of specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. When he was reworked, they gave the whole story about his climb to Targon. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I think in, in our first episode, you mentioned how there were bodies that seemed to be, have become part of the mountain when they failed to make the climb themselves. And I believe that's yeah. the story where it was mentioned. Um, and like, there are parts of that and there are definitely wildlife encounters. I'd be shocked if there weren't wildlife encounters on Mount Targon that if you reach, if you encounter it, <laughs> good luck because you're tired already. Um, well, it's
1: great because it's not just fighting because there are a ton of unicorns. Like, unicorns are a thing. Flying celestial unicorns. Yep. What are they called? They're like stellicorns. Pegasus. No, they're co- in, in League of Legends. They're called stellicorns oh. or something. Um, I not know. That's yeah. It, that's Do nice you play know. Legends of R- I haven't asked. Do you play Legends of Runeterra? I
0: did when it came out. Um, but okay. I, again, I'm not good at deck building. Um, for those of you who Ouch. don't know, I'm not good at deck building, um, <laughs> and so I can. Appreciate I'm not it. either, for the record. I can appreciate it, but um, it's it's the grind that kind of keeps me away from it.
1: Yeah, you. Well, I mean, you can just look at some of the cards. Stellar corn is one of them, and Ooh. they are they are. Um, there's one in a cinematic. There's a cinematic with a stellar corn in it, where there's like the. It falls from the sky, and the per that I think it's a young girl saves it and tries to get it back up the mountain.
0: I know what you're talking about, it's just been a while yep. since I've seen it.
1: Yep, anyway. Yeah. So, you've got stellar corn, so you could have some fun homebrew experiences making a couple different levels of unicorn. Mm-hmm. You could have you could have ambushes by Lunari you could have yep. you could you could be a character that gets caught in the middle of a battle between some lunari and solari that would be fun i'd say in um, that
0: regard that is where you could become a multiple session campaign it's not one that i would see running for a long 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 time this is something that i would definitely try to limit to a i'll say no more than 5 no more than five sessions maybe and be a okay. gracious, be a gracious dm like let a, let there be a level up each time kind of thing that way there's like a growth in power and by the time maybe the story is the growth that you achieve along the way not the power you receive when you get there friendship no um but like that is like you become stronger simply because you've survived
1: mm-hmm. um, and that's where i'm saying like D might not actually be the best Yeah, system to run that in. Yeah, because there's some really neat. um, I'm thinking of Traveler, which is a sci-fi based one, so it wouldn't fit really well. But there are some really neat, like rather than level focused characters, Mm -hmm. builds skill focused. Yeah, so you don't level up your character; you grow in your skills. So, I don't think. Call of Cthulhu is a. I think you can make Call of Cthulhu fit well, but I don't think it would be the best option. Maybe that might be one where you could use Fate Core. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a really good Fate Core game. Mm-hmm. Well, because there's a lot of creative license in that.
0: However, however, you would you would fill out your campaign. I think it would just look like a series of checks and then some encounters with different league groups. And to hone in on Aurelian Soul, if you whether you're chaining mm-hmm. him or just fighting him. I think the easiest thing to say is first off, however you encounter Aurelian Soul, you're not winning. And what makes you able to fight him is if your story is truly involving the attempt to chain him and it is the chains that weaken him. And I did something similar in in a recent D anD D campaign where I had them fight an enemy that it was actually so. It was the the setting was that it was a magic high school, and they were students, and this was a training program that they were fighting this monster. In. And this monster is that children's toy. It's a you know polyhedron, and there's the whole shaped holes. So like put the triangle in this hole, put the square in this hole, the star in this hole. But oh this, my gosh! And so it was a giant one of these. And they see these pieces lying around and they're like, hey, I think we need to get those pieces in the hole. But every single time they get a piece in the hole, it basically upgrades. It becomes more vulnerable in one way, but it also becomes more powerful in another way. And so they have to... i
1: stealing this. Carry on.
0: It was. I'll send you the stat block. Um, but they, they had to survive long enough to get all of the pieces in so that it, once all the pieces are in, it basically becomes like easily killable but it also can like one shot you if you're not careful (laughs) oh my goodness but also the more pieces you get in the closer it is to death anyways so um that's awesome but it was a multi-stage battle so like maybe maybe the crown is in pieces like you put the crown on but now like now like like or the moment he touches the crown he becomes weak so now you have to get it on his head somehow and then you have to get the jewels in because each jewel seals something different maybe it seals his size seals his power seals his awareness his cosmic awareness or something like that and so each stage of you accomplishing something he becomes more easily contained
1: ooh but
0: his power becomes a little bit more deadly
1: um, all right we may have just been able to expand the campaign oh Because you've given me an idea. Item collections? Well, that, but... So, I am a diehard Critical Role fan. Mm -hmm. And, spoilers, the end of Campaign 1, they essentially do that to an ascended god. But it's not just a it's not just a simple matter of chaining a few things and then getting the crown on his head. They have to go build the pinions. Hmm. So essentially what you have to go do. So this is where the campaign could get interesting. You could start at a lower level, say 10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you get a vision. So this would be the hook for the players, you give them a vision that the aspects need X, Y, or Z to chain this entity. And so you have to play... You play up to that level 10 just in the villages on the foothills of Targon. So Solari versus Lunari, whatever. Okay. At 10, you begin the process of forging these ch- these pieces of the crown so you have to go to orn in the frail you have to go to somewhere in now Shurima.
0: now this is a multi-year campaign
1: <laughs> then you have Traveling to go to Sharima. yeah and once you get those items you go back to mount targon and the second half so like 15 to 20 then you actually climb Targon with Aurelian Soul or the aspects or whatever, causing you these problems, and you still are trekking up, trekking up Targon, right? But you could—I see a world where you could do that, yeah—and with is all the a... encounters or whatever, right? I
0: really like that. Oh. Well, I think that oh, we're... I think that is a really a really solid campaign also so for those of you who like me were thinking of a single one shot this is where you do it um i really like all this targon ideas i think that's actually a really good stopping point for all of them so we've we've discussed leona and diana being pretty vanilla as DD playable characters um yeah as a paladin and diana did we settle on what was it a scout rogue
1: yeah a scout rogue tends to work well and with the key being that she gets some kind of she she'll have both of them are going to have magical items but diana i think is going to be a little bit more reliant on some i agree some magical items that kind of f- fill out her fantasy the feels for yeah. her
0: that and then um, Pantheon, while it would be diff- more difficult for him to be a player character, there's definitely a lot of good story options, especially if you're wanting to pursue a more creative option. And lastly, yep. Aurelian Soul as a possible um, BBEG. Um, mm-hmm. And how are you going to contain this literal world creator who definitely has the power to end it? So, he literally
1: created Runeterra.
0: Yeah. So all in all, I think this would be fantastic for a uh, D&D setting. I think that, I think this is a a good first transformation for our gamer alchemy skills.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we will figure out what we're going to do next. I don't know. I think we're going to st- I think we're going to stay in League of Legends. Yes. And we We m- yeah.
0: The we do we do promise to um expand and expand quickly it's just we want to also make sure that we do it in a way that we want to i am an i'm an avid uh nintendo person and so um i definitely want to bring characters from over there and potentially bring characters from other places over to nintendo th- items um <laughs> so there's <laughs> uh, there's some creativity to go there and i would also love to branch outside of games and look at books and movies very specifically for how we can bring certain characters in different franchises into it. What if we did the
1: Stormlight? The Stormlight series by Brandon Sanderson.
0: I don't know the Stormlight series. Um, Uh, It's okay. When I think of books, uh, uh, some characters that I like are from The Way of Shadows, which I believe is Brent Weeks.
1: Well, we're both gonna have to crash course each other on them because I haven't read that. It's true. But,
0: Wikipedia is a great friend,
1: right? Well, Moose Captain Elliot, um, Raven, yeah. the guy. I don't know, Moose Captain Elliot. That works so much more. That works so much better for you. All of our uh, Canadian
0: listeners will be going, isn't it, Elliot Moose?
1: Moose. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about out it- there. Okay, now we just lost all the Canadians. Well, thank you everyone for
0: listening to our first, this is our second episode, but our first session of a full crossover with League of Legends, the Targon region, and Dungeons and Dragons. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, stay tuned for what we got coming next because we're excited about whatever we get to bring you.
1: Yeah, we'll catch you next time here on the Gamer, gamer, alchemy, alchemy, podcast. podcast. <laughs>